0: Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. We're going to go ahead and get into uh, the message portion of our service. We are continuing with our God in the Movies series. If uh, you're new here or you've not experienced this before, every year around September, we do the God in the Movies message series where we start exploring some of the uh, most popular movies of the past year. And then we ask the question, what might God say to us through them? If that's an unusual concept for you, um, it shouldn't be. The Bible teaches that God is the author of all truth, and so we can find truth in unlike likely places and then claim that as Christians because it comes from the Lord. And so that's what we're doing is we're finding some of the most popular movies and then seeing messages and how God might speak to us through them. And today we're going to be uh, continuing that with the movie Black Panther. But before we begin, one of my favorite moments is uh, you guys have your candy and your popcorn, but I love to open the soda together. Don't open them yet. I hear those sounds out there, you guys. But we're going to go ahead and do your tap right all right, on account count of three, we're going to open them up together and then hear this glorious sound. One, two, three. Oh, yeah. And if you're on the podcast and you don't have a soda with you, I'm sorry. All right, so we're going to go ahead and begin with uh, the movie Black Panther. Now, Black Panther is a story of a prince uh, named T'Challa. He is the prince of a nation of a fictional African country called Wakanda, uh, who is forced to become king after the assassination of his father. Uh, this prince is also a superhero, who is called the Black Panther, and his responsibility is to protect the nation of Wakanda and to fight around the globe to protect uh, their from forces that threaten their way of life. Now, throughout the film, T'Challa tries to figure out who he is and what it means to be a king, while at the same time wrestling with his own demons and facing the injustices in the world around him. And Black Panther was one of the most popular movies of the past year. In fact, it grossed over $1.3 billion in the box office worldwide alone, enough to make it the ninth highest grossing film of all time in box office numbers. That's incredible. That's incredible. Now, this movie was incredibly popular, but not just because it was a great superhero movie, which I think it is but really because it is culturally relevant, dealing with really difficult topics like systemic racism and poverty, while at the same time highlighting and celebrating and elevating black culture and uh, strong, successful black characters, and including elegant yet powerful women, right, which is not a common thing. And I believe that the part of the reason why this movie was so popular is not just because it was um, it's culturally relevant, not just because it's a great uh, superhero movie, but also because it gives voices. It strikes a chord because it gives a voice to those people in our society who often feel like they don't have a voice. And so to me, Black Panther is a wonderfully crafted film that blends entertainment and social commentary with a healthy dose of implied responsibility mixed in. Now, when thinking about what is it? That God might want to say to us through a film like Black Panther. I kept being pulled into T'Challa's story, his story of failure, his story of guilt, his feeling of shame, and his understanding of what it means to be a king and seeing the injustices in the world around him and trying to figure out how he can, how he can address them and is his responsibility as a king, and yet at the same time struggling. I loved that we were, as we watched the movie, were pulled into his personal struggle. And so really what that concept is, is this idea of who he is and who he is meant to be, is a concept that we call identity. Identity. The idea of understanding who you are as a person and who you're called to be or who you're meant to be is something that is called identity. And so throughout the film, T'Challa struggles with this idea, wondering who he is. And while Black Panther certainly deals with topics like I mentioned, difficult topics like racism and poverty. They are interwoven through T'Challa's story of identity, who he is in a world where those issues exist. And throughout the entire film, he is called upon to address those issues and more, but finds that he really cannot until he understands his identity first. And I think that the reason that we're talking about this today is because for each of us it's the same. We look around ourselves and we think, who I want to be. We think about who we are. We think about our past history. We think about who we are now. All the dreams and hopes and desires of what we would like to be, what God has called us to become. And yet at the same time we look around our world and we see injustices. And we see struggles and we see pain and we see division and we wonder, what could I possibly do? What is my responsibility in a world where those things exist? What should we do? Who are we called to be in relation to these things? Well, Black Panther is a powerful movie because it addresses these questions in a way that we can all understand. And so today what I want to do is I want for us to walk alongside T'Challa's journey through the film and see what God might to say to us about identity through his story. And in this first clip, we're going to see T'Challa. He has just became king. He's meeting his father in a dreamlike place called the Ancestral Plain. And this is the first time that he is meeting his father since his assassination. And in this moment, T'Challa brings all sorts of guilt because he felt like he failed his dad and not allowing, not protecting him before he was assassinated. And we're going to see in this clip His first lesson in identity. Let's take a quick look. I think the first element of understanding our identity is to know who you are. You have to know who you are. You see, T'Challa comes to his father overwhelmed with feelings of guilt. He sees his father and they hug. And then immediately, T'Challa remembers all the things that he feels like he's not worthy to be in the presence of his father anymore. He's immediately brought back to a prior movie where we see his father assassinated and he's overwhelmed with guilt. He's overwhelmed with shame. He's feeling as though that's his identity. In this moment, T'Challa walks into his father's moment of seeing him for the first time. And instead of it being a beautiful moment, instead he's he feels like he's not worthy to be there. But quickly his father redefines his identity. There was supposed to be subtitles, not sure why they weren't there, but it says son. The first thing that his father says to T'Challa is he calls him son. And as soon as T'Challa begins to live out what he thinks his identity is as a failure, one who's covered in shame and mistakes, his father redefines it and says, no. He says, stand up, you are a king. Stand up, you are a king. And I think that's so important, it's so valuable, that his father was telling his son, know who you are, understand your identity, know who you are. There's this moment in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 17 where Jesus takes a few of his friends up onto a mountain and they go up on this nice hike and they're on the top of this mountain and and they have this moment where, where God himself speaks audibly over Jesus about identity Loud and clear. uh, Let's—it's a moment of identity. Let's take a look. Matthew chapter seventeen, verses one through five, and it says this: After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and his brother John, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. He was transfigured in front of them. In other words, his actual physical appearance was changed. And his face shone like the sun. His clothes became as white as light. And suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with them. This is important because Moses and Elijah were two of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament. They were the ones revered, kind of like our founding fathers in a way, right? If they had statues on Mount Rushmore in the Old Testament, it would have Elijah and Moses on it, okay? So they appear, and Peter is so excited. He's like, oh, Jesus, this is wonderful. Look, it's so good for us to be here. Let's set up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. In other words, let's just hang out here. Let's have a party. This is the best. Like, he is so excited. Verse 5, while he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud covered them and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved son, whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to him. This is so interesting, and the reason for it is this, is because one element of understanding who we are in our identity is listening to the right voice. One element of understanding our identity, in order for us to know who we are, to truly be able to know our existence and what we are called to be, we have to know and listen to the right voice. You see, Peter had his own idea. Peter was so caught up in the moment and so excited that he was trying to do something well-meaning, I'm sure, I mean, you ever had an excitement like a party or a, or a hangout with friends or, or maybe a vacation or something that you just wanted to continue forever, right? But then you can get sidetracked. and That's what's happening with Peter. And Jesus, in this moment... It would have been easy for him, I think, to be caught up into it, to be thinking, yes, look, it's Moses, look, it's Elijah. You know, Jesus could have just as easily been caught up in it and forgotten all about his mission to go down into Jerusalem and ultimately to be crucified, which is, I'm sure, not something he was looking forward to. It would have been so easy for him to just say, let's just take another day here, right? But God interrupts in the moment and speaks identity, just like uh, T'Chaka, T'Challa's father. That's his name, T'Chaka and T'Challa. Okay, so I know it's a little bit there. So T'Chaka interrupts his son, who is on his knees in guilt and in shame, and interrupts and says, Stand up, you are a king. And in this moment, Peter, well-meaning, is saying all of this, and immediately the father speaks in, steps in and says, No. This is my son. I am well pleased. He's speaking the identity of Jesus over him and says, listen to him. As followers of Jesus, the same is to be true of us. The same is to be true of us. We can know who we are because of what God says to us and about us through Scripture and from the Holy Spirit. Here's just a couple. I want to just read you three quick passages of scripture among probably maybe a hundred different scriptures that talk about our identity in Christ. Check this out. John chapter 1, verse 12. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name. So what he's saying to you is, stand up. You are my son. Stand up. You are my daughter. Check this out. Romans chapter 8, verse 17. And if we're children... Also, we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may be also glorified with him. So not only have we been brought into the family of God, adopted into the family of God, and called children. One thing, it would be great if if the God forgave us, who loved us, who sent his son to die on the cross and to give us new life and said, that's enough, you have lived an awful life and I'm going to save you, but that's it. Like that would have been good because we would have at least been saved from ourselves. But that's not what he stops. He doesn't stop there. No. What God says is, I'm going to raise you up. I'm going to adopt you. I'm going to put a put a robe around your shoulders. I'm going to put a ring on your finger like we see in the prodigal son story. And you are my son. You are my child. And I'm going to raise you up and seat you with Christ as a co-heir. You are not simply just a, a kind of like purchased, second-hand used item that sits in the house of God. No. You have been given a bath. You have been put makeup on. You have new clothes. You are called a child of God. And now a prince or a daughter or a princess in the kingdom of God. Do you understand what Jesus is saying to us in these scriptures? Is that we are not, we're not to live these lives where we feel like we're just held back in shame any longer. And that's what Tachaka was saying to his son. Get up. I understand what happened to you. I understand all these things, but you are no longer that person. I've called you something else, and God is saying the same to us. Check this out. Second Corinthians verse five, chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. New creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Those are just three. Just three passages of Scripture that talk about our identity. We have to know who we are. And just like T'Challa's father redefined his son's identity, God is doing the same thing for us through Jesus. Stand up. You are a child of God. And there are so many more passages of Scripture that talk about our identity. So I want to give you a quick homework assignment, all right? A quick homework assignment for everybody this week. I want you to go out and do a quick Google search of the phrase, identity in Christ. I want you to do that. And if you find something that's interesting to you, something that stands out to you, I want you to comment on our Facebook page. I want you to go to our Instagram page. I want you to comment on something. I want you to share something. I want you to share a picture. I want you to email me. Send me a Facebook message. I don't care. I want to engage in conversation. Conversation with you this week about how God has spoken to you about your identity. Just do it. A simple Google search, Identity in Christ, and watch the passages of Scripture that open up to you about who the Bible says you are. And the whole reason for this is just to engage in it. Begin to see what God is saying about you. But before we can become who God has created us to be, we must become familiar with his voice. And in order for us to become familiar with his voice, we must listen to his voice. And we must remind ourselves of what the voice says. And the only way that we can do that is if we're reading his word that teaches us who, what he says. Is to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit that the Bible says lives inside of us. It's to be expectant that he might have something to say about the way that we treat ourselves, the way that we think about ourselves, or the way that we see the world. He wants to change our identity but we have to be listening to his voice. We must know who we are. So let's check back in with T'Challa and his journey of discovering what his identity means for his life and the world around him. In our next clip, T'Challa has just learned that his father was not as perfect as he thought he was. He's discovered that his father killed his brother and covered it up and lied in order to protect the, the Wakandan people But it resulted in devastating consequences. It resulted in brokenness. It's resulted in division. This revelation has crushed T'Challa and is causing him to question everything that he thought he knew and it forces him to face what does it mean for him to be a king. Let's take a look.
1: He killed his own brother and left a child behind with nothing. What kind of king, what kind of man does that? No man is perfect. Not even your father. He didn't even give him a proper burial. My uncle Njoba betrayed us, but my father, he may have created something even worse. Hey. Look at me. You can't let your father's mistakes define who you are. You get to decide what kind of king you are going to be.
0: So if the first step in understanding identity is knowing who you are, it is equally important to understand who you are not. You have to know who you are not. You see, the temptation for T'Challa and for all of us is to allow our history to define us, to define the choices that we've made or to allow our history to define us. And what do I mean by that? I mean things like our past mistakes. I mean our decisions that we've made. I even mean the failures of those who are close to us, our family members, our history of where our family have come from. Right? I have met people who felt like they can't go to college because no one in their family ever did. So that defines them. I've seen people who have grown up in poverty and feel like they can never do anymore because that's part of their identity. I've seen people who have been, who have been abused or neglected as children, and that has defined them today. And what's happening in this clip and what I believe the Bible wants to teach us about identity is it's just as important for us to not only know what God says about who we are, but it's also to understand who we are not. We are not the people of our past. We are not defined by the decisions that we have made, nor the people who have done things to us or the reputation of those who are around us. None of those things can change God's perspective of us. And for T'Challa, he had to understand that his father's failures did not define him. Just as much as we have to learn that the failures of our fathers, of our mothers, of our own decisions do not define who we are according to who God says we are. It is so important for us to know that. But to not be defined by our past means choosing to leave it behind and moving forward. And the Bible has a lot to say about identity has a lot to say about our past lifestyle and moving forward into the new lifestyle that Jesus offers. Let's see let's see if we can gain any insight from the scripture. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 to 24. And this is a really powerful passage that talks about identity in Christ. Let's read this verse 22. If you're looking you have it on the screen as well. It says take off your former way of life Take off your former way of life, the old self, that is corrupted by deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of the truth. Now, there are three instructions in this verse that we have to look closely to understand. It's, It's easy to overlook it, but it's actually very powerful that if we look closely, it'll give us some insight into how we can move from our old identity into the new one that God has given to us. Number one is to take off your former life. It's very clear, take off the former life. But then it says not only to to kind of disown the old, it's to be renewed. There's a process that has to take place in our hearts and in our minds. But then it says to finally put on the new self. You see, it's not just saying let go of the past. It's not even just saying think differently. It's saying that there is a, a responsibility that we have to actually make a choice to do something different, to become the person that God has created us to be. And interestingly enough, all three of those uh, elements of that scripture... The verbs in them are actually commands. If you do a little bit of research when you're doing a word study, or if you're looking maybe in your app right now, the, the Bible app, if you notice that next to each of the verbs there's a little asterisk, when you look at that, it says in parentheses, command. In other words, not just a command from the Apostle Paul to us as Christians, not only as a command from God to, to us as his children, it's also saying we are to command this within ourselves to do it. Which means there's a choice, that there is a responsibility, okay? Let's walk through now those three things with the idea of a command. Check this out. That means that when moments come where we are tempted to live out of our old thought patterns, when we're tempted to feel shame, when we're tempted to feel guilty, when we're reminded of what we used to be and it's trying to tell you who you are now, it's trying to say you thought you're a child of God. No, no, you're a loser. No, you're this. No, you're that. In those moments, because it says to put off, take off the old identity, we have to choose. No, that is not who I am any longer. My king says that I'm his child. I'm a prince. I'm a princess. Whatever you want to say, you say, I am not that any longer. When my mind, when my heart, when the people around me say, who do you think you are? When Satan comes along and he's trying to remind you or to poke at you in the spaces that you know you're weak, that he knows you're weak, the areas of insecurity, when he knows that space and he's trying to attack you, our responsibility, according to the Scripture, is to take off the old self. A choice to say, no, that's not who I am. I'm called something else now. We have to make a choice. But then it says, beyond that, to be renewed. Interestingly, be renewed. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it's not on the screen, says, Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind. That means not only do we say no, when, there, when we take off the clothing of our old lifestyle, we now have to begin to wash. There's still remnants of that old lifestyle on us, the identity. Think of it this way. You just got rubbed in the dirt and in the mud, and now you're taking off your old clothes, but you're still dirty. You still smell like the old clothes, right? A lot of us say yes to Jesus. We're given new clothes, but we don't put them on. We're, we're given these clothes. We're still walking around as a child of God, still wearing our old clothes, our old identity. He says, take them off and be renewed. It's like get in the shower, okay? Go get in the shower. And what I mean by that is read the word. Hang out with other Christians. Spend time in life groups. Go to events. Listen to worship music. Participate in the presence of God. It's like a shower, like a bath for your spirit. It washes you. It cleans you. You become a new person. You renew your mind, your thought processes. All of those things change as we are spending time in the presence of God. Not only are we saying no, I'm not that person anymore. We have to teach ourselves and train ourselves that we should think differently, that God sees us differently. And then and then we have to choose to command ourselves. Listen to me. We have to command ourselves to put on our new self. It says to put on the new self. And from that place can we be transformed. But from that place can we now walk like a king. Can we now walk like the child of God with a little bit of swagger to our step. Not out of, out of arrogance but out of a realization and an authority, a confidence that I am not that person anymore. So many of us walk around as though we we feel like we barely barely belong in the house of God. So many of us walk around acting as though we are still clinging to our old lifestyle. And God wants to take the clothes that we take off and burn them. And he wants to fill our wardrobe with new brand brand items, with a brand new wardrobe. Think of it this way: this is how I think of identity in Christ. It's like old clothes that were hand-me-downs from the from the, the you know the thrift store, just kind of put together things, and I'm not speaking out against that's It's great to go shopping. I hate particularly shopping at those kind of thrift stores, but it's a great thing. You can find awesome stuff. But I'm talking about ratty old clothes, okay? When we come to know Christ, he wants to say, I am buying you new things. I'm taking you down to, to uh, Beverly Hills, and we're going into to these shops, and I'm going to provide for you the best clothing, because that's what you get as a child. You are royalty now. So when we wear the identity, the new identity of more than a conqueror, a new creation in Christ, co-heirs, sitting up there in heaven, seated next to Jesus Christ, the author and creator of our faith, and the one who was there from the beginning of time, right? That's what the Bible says. We are seated next to him him. Therefore, why are we wearing our old ratty clothes? Why are we still walking around as though we are a mistake or that we are filled with guilt and shame? And he looks at us and says, no, put on the new self. Change yourself. Change the way that you walk around. But we can only do it if we say no to who we used to be When we're reminded, we have to be in God's Word, spending time in His presence, walking around His room with Him, walking around our life with Him. That's why we say encounter God in real life, because we believe that the Bible teaches that we can know Him, not just on Sunday morning, but on your way to work, when you're sitting at your desk, when you're frustrated at home, when you're laying alone in bed at home, and your head's on the pillow and you're crying because you're frustrated with your life. Whatever it might be, God is there, and you can know Him, and He will speak to you. He will whisper into you. And the more we hear his voice, the more he says to us who he is and what, who we are to him and what he can do for us and how he changes us and how he feels about us. And the more we read his word and we recite it and we put them in post-it notes on our, on our cubicles, right? The more we, we subscribe to Bible reading plans and the more we read them and the more we, time we spend in relationship with other Christians and we encourage each other and we lift each other up, we begin to find that God is there with us all the time. He's changing us. He's renewing us. And from that place, you'll find it a lot easier that you actually own the clothes that God put on you. I think that's oftentimes as we go, I don't know if I can wear those. I don't, I'm not worthy of the new clothes that God gave us. That the more you spend time with him, the more you see that he didn't mean anything other than he loves you. He's called you to be something wonderful and beautiful and clean. He calls you clean. He calls you righteous. Do you understand that? Like, and this is the problem. We still sin. Every day we still screw up. We make mistakes and we feel like I'm not worthy of it. But the Bible is extremely clear that through Christ we are made righteous. Period. Righteous. Like stainless, blotless, there is, when he sees us, he doesn't see our mistakes. Even the ones that we made this morning, he doesn't see that his mercies are new every day. The Bible is so clear. Our identity is one of righteousness, the one of clean, the one who are forgiven, the one who are filled with grace. We have got to say, you know what? I'm not worthy, but because Jesus gave me these clothes, I am now worthy. I will wear them with pride. Do you understand that? That's what he's saying. Know who you are not. Identity is knowing who we are and who we are not. So now that we know, who we are in Christ, and know that we are not defined by our past. How do we act as children of the king, as his representatives? What is our role in the world around us where we see such injustice, where we see pain? To answer that question, let's visit T'Challa one last time. He has finally discovered who he truly is. He is a man who is no longer held back by his guilt He's no longer held back or shackled by his mistakes, the mistakes of others or the guilt and the insecurity that has held him back. And now he faces his father one last time to confront the past and to make a decision for the future of his life and the rest of the world around him.
1: time has come for you to come home and be reunited with me. Why didn't you bring the boy home? Why, Baba? He... He was the truth I chose to omit. You were wrong to abandon him. I chose my people. I chose Wakanda. Our future depended you on... You are our... wrong! All of you were wrong! To turn your backs on the rest of the world! We let the fear of our discovery stop us from doing what is right. No more. I cannot stay here with you. I cannot rest while he sits on the throne. He is a monster of our own making. I must take the mantle back. I must. I must right
0: this wrong. So now T'Challa is ready to face the world and do something about the problems that he sees. But it's only because he understands his identity first. This is the problem that we run into, is that we want to impact our society. We want to impact our friends and our lives. But we have our own junk, oftentimes, that we are wrestling with in the process. And it weakens our efforts or our ability to really be able to make change People are smarter than we think. And I'm not saying that we need to inflate ourselves or to ignore our struggles. And that's not at all what this message is about. It is a process, okay? But the foundation must be that in order for the church, in order for us as the followers of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ to truly make a difference in our culture, they need to see a people who are confident in who they were called to be as followers of Jesus. Children of God who who show that we are truly forgiven. If people cannot see that we are any different, that we still, you know, are held back by our past, then how are we any different? And how does Jesus offer anything that could help them or save them? We have to know who we are. We have to know who you're not. And only then can we know what we must do. We become empowered to enact change when we allow God's grace to change us. We can distribute hope when we have received hope and we have seen God's transformative power. We can give direction and guidance to others once we have received wisdom and instruction from God's Word and from His Holy Spirit. We can offer reconciliation because we have been forgiven and we have been adopted into God's family. We will see how God sees because His Spirit lives within us and whispers to us about what He cares about. And we will know how to serve our world because his heart for it is beating within our own chests. All of this comes together in a passage that we're going to close with today in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 5 verses 17 through 19. We already read the first part of it, but look how it all comes together about identity. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and see the new has come. Everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us, you and I, the ministry of reconciliation. That is in Christ. God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. You see, we are new creations in Christ. That's what the Bible teaches. He has reconciled us to himself And he wants to do the same thing with the rest of the world. He's calling us to be the carriers of that reconciliation in all areas of brokenness and divisions that exist. It doesn't matter what it is. If we see brokenness, if we see division, if we see pain, we are called to reconcile that and to show hope and light and bring light into that darkness. And this means that the church of Jesus Christ should be at the forefront of speaking out against And acting out against things like discrimination, racism, sexism, hatred, poverty, bigotry, any area where brokenness and division have taken root in our society, including within the church. Including in our personal lives, you see, this is who we are ultimately called to be. God didn't just save us so that we could sit in the throne room with Him and just be happy all day long. No, God cares so deeply about the world, those who are broken, those who are living in lives who are who are who are um, taken advantage of by sexism, who are held down by prejudice, those who are held in bondage because of racism or discrimination. He sees their cries. And he has rescued us so that we can know who we are to be people who set them free. You see, that's what we're called to be. And that's what the story of Black Panther is about. On its face, it appears as though it's celebrating all sorts of of, of moments of black history and culture. And it is. But the deeper message of the movie is about knowing who you are and how you can change things once you understand your identity. And until we, as Christians become people who confidently wear the new clothes of our identity until we become those people who understand our past is what it is and we learn from it and we grow from it as we talked in weeks before but we are not defined by that we are not held by that and certainly God does not look at us as that who we are any longer so now that we say no I am not that and we fight against that and we know who he is and he changes us now we walk into our communities not with arrogance but with love and with hope to know we can make a difference and we can change the world, and we now have the authority to speak out against injustices that we see everywhere. It is our responsibility. It is our duty. It is our right. We must speak out when we see things. This is what Scripture is teaching us, the ministry of reconciliation. Not so that we can be the loud voice, you know, on a soapbox on Facebook or on Instagram. No, that's not it, but that might be a vehicle. Whatever it is, we are called to see something that is wrong and know that God cares about it being wrong, and he's called us and placed us in positions to be able to speak life and truth into those moments. This is truly the message behind Black Panther, and the message of Scripture clearly mirrors. We are called to be ministers of reconciliation. Only when we as Christians understand our identity, not only as forgiven children of God, but also as commanded carriers of reconciliation to our world, will we be able to make a difference and bring people back to God. And so, to close it all off, would you stand with me today? Our big idea, if you're taking notes, write this down. The big idea of this message is be transformed by God so you can help transform the world. Be transformed by God yourself. Allow him to rewrite your identity so that you can now look out to the rest of the world and help them be transformed. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for calling us children. Thank you for welcoming us into your family. Thank you for new life. Thank you for new existence. Thank you that even though the lives that we've lived in the past, even recently that we're still living shadows of our past life before we met you, I thank you that you are always there to remind us that we are not defined by that. We are no longer slaves to fear. The Bible says we are no longer slaves to sin. All of these things we know are true. It's hard for us because oftentimes we live every day and it doesn't feel like we're not defined by those things. Our memories are sharp. The pain of our mistakes or the things that we have been through, our experiences are fresh oftentimes. But yet your word is still clear. We are not Defined by our decisions. We are not defined by our past, by our sin. We are called children of God. We are called forgiven. We have been made new. We are called righteous. The blood of Jesus Christ covers all of our sin and we have been lifted up now. We have been welcomed into a family, not just welcomed into the family, but we have been given authority to speak out into our world. God, would you open our eyes to see it? Would you claim Help us to claim the identity that you've given us. To stand up. Remind us in those moments, God. Remind us in the moments where we're tempted to be held back by our shame, by our guilt, by our mistakes, even the ones that we still make. I'm, I'm still reminded of that. That you died on the cross, Jesus, for all time, for all sin. It doesn't matter if it was a 10 years ago or whether it's three years in the future. You know what we will do. And the beauty of it is that you have paid for all of it. And we're called to walk in new identity. Would you help us to take on the new clothes? Help us to be renewed in our minds. Change the way that we see ourselves. Change the way that we see our neighbors. Change the way that we see people in our communities or people who are different than us. Would you help us to see with your eyes? Change our hearts because we want your heart to beat within our chest so that we will care about what you care about. We repent. We repent of our sin in our lives. We repent of our actions that have have allowed injustices to remain. God, the times when we could have said something, the times where we should have said something, the times where we could have acted or should have acted and did not, for whatever reason, we repent of that. And now we open our eyes to see every day opportunities where we can be reconcilers. We can welcome where we can love, where we can shine the light of Jesus Christ and bring true hope and true reconciliation to our world, whether it's globally, whether it's just one person at work, whether it's a family member who's been exiled for so long. Whatever it is, God, we ask that you would use us to reach this world. In Jesus' name.